Hello and welcome to the Professional Motor Mechanic Podcast. I'm your host, Kieran Nee, editor of Professional Motor Mechanic Magazine. The May issue of PMM is available at your local factor, so why not pop down there and pick up a free copy? This month, we have got the first instalment of our CPD zone, meaning you can earn a CPD credit simply by reading a copy. What are you waiting for? For this episode, we're striving for success, and to do that, we'll be looking to everyone's best friend they love to hate, data. I'll bring you the latest insights from Garage Hive's Alex Lindley. And when you actually look at that data, EVs fail more than petrols, which I personally didn't expect to see. And Tom Henman will be sitting down to chat to a company which uses data to aid motor factors in their pricing decisions. Factors can see their trends in their total sales and their units, which in today's ever-changing market is going to be incredibly important in making the right stock choices. But first, let's head over to Kirsty, who has taken over from Freya on the news this month. Thanks, Kieran. I'm Kirsty Adams, part of the PMM podcast team. I'm here to bring you this month's aftermarket news. And now for the headlines. EV battery degradation overestimated. Smart motorways scrapped. 50% of women would not consider a career in the automotive industry. 50% of consumers hugely overestimate the likely degradation of used electric car batteries. This is according to April's Startline Used Car Tracker. EV batteries degrade at an average of 2.3% per year, according to a study of 6,300 EVs by Geotab. Commenting on the findings from the latest instalment of the monthly poll, Startline Motor Finance CEO Paul Burgess said, Anecdotal feedback shows there is a lot of misinformation among the general public about used car EV batteries and how quickly they degrade, and our findings clearly back that up. The government has announced that all new smart motorways will be scrapped as part of a major overhaul of the UK's road network. 14 planned schemes, including 11 already on pause and three set for construction, will now be halted due to finance and low public confidence. The Department for Transport has said the new schemes would have cost more than £1 billion. Now for some news in numbers. 50% of women surveyed by Venson Automotive Solutions said they would not consider a career in the motor industry. Currently, female representation in the automotive sector is around 19%. 79% of motorists would only buy a used vehicle that has a full or nearly full service history, according to a study from bookmygarage.com. In the same survey, 42% would insist on a full service history without a missed service. 66.2 billion. That's the amount Tesla is now valued at, surging 44% and jumping two places to become the most valuable automobile brand. Lastly, PMM has confirmed it will be hosting a stand at this year's Automechanica Birmingham, which will take place at the NEC in Birmingham on the 6th, 7th and 8th of June. Come and visit our stand for your chance to be featured on the podcast. That's the news this month from PMM. And now back to Kieran. Thanks for that, Kirsty. And before we head into our main feature this month, we're going to stay with Kirsty a little while longer. She sat down with our headline sponsor this month, Brembo Brakes. So let's take a listen. 
My name is Siti Abdullah, Key Account Manager for UK and Ireland for Brembo. Siti, can you give us a brief introduction to Brembo? Sure, Brembo is the world leader in the design, development, manufacturing of braking systems and components for top-flight cars, bikes, heavy goods vehicles. Um, we were founded back in 1961. So we've got a long-standing reputation for providing innovative solutions for the original equipment. But we've also got a long history with like racing, having won more than 600 championships from about 1975. Our strategy is turning energy into inspiration and our ambition is to help shape the future of mobility through cutting-edge, digital and sustainable solutions. In the current economic climate, there's a focus on cutting costs to suit personal budgets. How can it be justified to spend a premium when there are various budget options? Brakes, they're a safety-related item, and the most valuable asset that Brembo manufacturer is safety. This is one of the main reasons why vehicle manufacturers, from bikes to cars to vans, uh, they choose Brembo to design and manufacture braking systems and components for them. We're quite privileged to have been provided with the exact vehicle specifications and performance, so would manufacture a component that would perform and give you the optimum in performance, safety and comfort by reducing noise, vibration and harshness. However, City, the argument from the consumer might be that other budget brands can perform just as well, but without the premium price tag. Oh, no, totally understandable because brakes, they look relatively simple, but there is a lot of science behind braking. This doesn't only affect like performance, but also factors such as like durability, fuel consumption, even pollution that needs to be taken into consideration. So besides ensuring that the vehicle stops in a timely manner, one of the variables that affects like performance and durability is the amount of heat that the braking system produces. So exceeding the running temperature of brake discs will do two things. First and foremost, it'll deteriorate the coefficient or the grippiness of the surface of the pad to the disc and that will affect stopping distances, which is critical. Secondly, also higher temperatures from the brake disc will result in more of the pad material being transferred to the brake disc as it makes contact, uh, which basically means you're going to be wearing that pad out faster. This will lead to increasing the cost of ownership of the vehicle in the long run. And this is where the innovation comes with our brake discs. They are designed with sophisticated venting designs, the most current known as PVT+. It ensures that the brake discs have the capability of dissipating the heat produced from the powerful vehicles that we have now when braking. Unfortunately, this is not visible unless that brake disc is examined closely and it's an area where it is easy for other manufacturers to cut corners to provide you with that budget price tag. But as mentioned before, this is where it will hit the consumer in the wallet in the long run. So it's a false economy? Absolutely. City, you mentioned fuel consumption, and this is not just something that consumers might think that is relevant when choosing a brake component. How does braking relate to this? So one of the key trends towards environmental sustainability is to reduce fuel consumption to reduce emissions. So vehicle component manufacturers, they have been working to reduce the weight of components to facilitate this. So with braking, there's been technology developed by Brembo using sophisticated, lighter materials such as steel or aluminium in conjunction with cast iron. And this can reduce the weight by about 15 to 30% dependent on the application. However, if you substitute these brake discs that have been fitted on this vehicle from factory 
to an integral or a one-piece cast iron brick disc. This will add more weight to the unsprung mass that will lead to the vehicle, number one, using more fuel, again, hitting that consumer in the wallet in the long run, but much more concerning as the weight of the unsprung mass has increased, this will affect the stability of the vehicle, which again is a safety issue. And in case of uneven road surfaces, this can not only damage the braking components, but the surrounding parts, which again would hit that wallet. So this technology is patented and in some cases only available from Brembo. So for the drivers that spend much more time on the road and have much more demands on performance and precise braking, while at the same time improving aesthetics, we also have our Brembo Extra range that will suit all of their requirements. When customers ask mechanics, uh, you know, why they should use a Brembo brake, what would you advise the mechanic to say back? Brakes are a safety item. Brembo is chosen as a manufacturer and would have designed the specific braking component for your particular vehicle. Cutting corners, having like brake components that would not perform to the power of the vehicle, it will affect like safety. And if you have got families in your car, if you've got anybody that you care in your car, or even if you're a, like a, you're a lone driver, you could be affecting somebody else's safety. So brakes are safety critical items. We've got our expertise of more than 65 years. So we would know what that vehicle requires to ensure that you get to and from that journey in a safe and timely manner. There's so much more that I would like to speak to everybody about braking because I'm a bit of a geek about the product. However, if you are curious to find out more, please come and visit us at Auto Mechanical Birmingham between June the 6th to the 8th. And we look forward to seeing you in Hall 19, Stand R102 in the NEC North Avenue. Thanks, Brembo. And thank you, Kirsty. This month, we're chatting to someone who's been making quite a name for himself in the industry. Alex Lindley from Garage Hive. Garage Hive's Garage Industry Trends data platform recently collected and released a load of data from all the MOTs done in the UK in 2021. That's quite a haul. Alex was kind enough to come down to our studio just after the data was released to the industry. There's quite a lot to get through, so let's go straight in. My name's Alex Lindley and I'm from Garage Hive been in the industry since leaving school at 16 in a family business. We started a single location and over the sort of the last 10 year period we've managed to expand up to 10 locations up to 100 staff. I've worked all the way through the industry from apprentice to front of house and five years ago I was made managing director of the company. Uh, So half of my time is still spent very much firmly within the industry running garages and then the other half my time for those that aren't aware is uh, spent with a company called Garage Hive and Lindley's Auto Centres, which is our garage, essentially ended up investing in Garage Hive. Okay. Uh, and then we just ended up getting involved in the operations of Garage Hive. And yeah, that's now where I spend spend half my time. So you're still, you're still heavily involved with the garages. Ever get on the tools still? No. So I stopped when the requirement to keep up with your MOT annual exam came okay. out. I decided that that was, that was enough. That was Too much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that actually did me a favour uh, because whilst I had that licence, it was always tempting when you needed to, to drop back on the tools. Yeah. But it's not the right thing to do when you're trying to run a business. You know, if, if, if that option's not there, you put the right things in place to make sure that that doesn't become a requirement. So you kind of had to sit down one day and kind of make that decision. You say, no, actually, it'd be better for me, for the business, if I move away from the tools. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to be fair, that transition was made when I took more of an interest in the finances of the business and 
business planning and sort of data analysis. It's really where the birth of my obsession with data helping you run the business came from, to yeah. be honest with you. So um, yeah, I transitioned away from uh, from the tools to front of house, to managing a branch, to accounts and finance essentially, and then eventually replaced myself in the finance team and then ended up just overseeing the company along with uh, the board of directors. I just wanted to pick up on something Alex mentioned there, that data can help you run your business. You may have been thinking, what's MOT data got to do with striving for success? Well, Alex's whole thing is improving the way independent businesses are run, and data is a great way of doing that. If you have an idea of what overarching trends are in play in the industry, you'll be in a better position to take advantage of those trends and will better understand the vehicles coming through your door. Let's take a look at the pandemic's effect on garages to begin with. And I should add here that Freya was in the studio with us. Obviously, the big kind of talking point of the past three years, of course, is the pandemic. I guess you can see, looking at the data, that the pandemic has had an effect. Mm-hmm. Would you be able to tell us a little bit more what effect the pandemic's been having? Yeah, so pre-COVID, the seasonality of the industry was completely predictable. You had your obvious spikes, which were related to the new release of the uh, number plates. Everybody wanted to buy a car as early in the cycle of the number plate as they could. And that, that really determined the sort of trend of the MOTs through the year. A large proportion of customers get their car serviced whilst it's in for MOT. So the knock-on effect through the entire industry was you're busy during the MOT peak season. Yeah. Obviously, what COVID did was it closed, even though it wasn't necessary, lots of businesses, including my own business, decided to close its doors during the COVID period which meant that the government had to do something with the MOTs that were expiring during that period. So they delayed it by, I believe it was a six month extension on the MOTs within a certain period. Uh, So that completely changed the fluctuation of MOTs through the year. It has recovered over the last three years, but this year is slightly different because three years ago, there were no new cars being registered. So the recovery this year is, is expected to be lower than it was last year. And if we look at the previous year's MOT tests, you can clearly see that it falls off a cliff round about week 10. And that is MOTs completed. Now, if you look at Garage Institute Trends, not the MOT data, but the other data, it's actually quite scary to look at because it, it is starting to drop off quite dramatically. But it's worth noting that that's probably not being felt at the garages just yet because we also have the data on the number of invoices that a garage does each day. Yep. So there is a built-up future demand. So there is a lag. Right. So even though we know that the number of MOTs due is falling off a cliff, garages are currently as busy, and it's it is it's anecdotal, but it's also factual based on the trends data that we're as busy as we've ever been. Demand is great. In the industry is is brilliant. So there is a built-up demand. What's going to be interesting to see over the next few weeks is how much that demand helps combat the dip in future demand. We're working through the bookings at the minute and garages will be completing more jobs than they're currently booking in. So even though they still feel busy, that dip will be coming within the next few weeks. That dip that Alex was predicting, it came like clockwork. Not that we had any doubt, of course. You may remember we featured an episode on MOTs recently and the government's plan to reduce the frequency of the test. Well, Alex has some interesting insights on those plans, which might just prove to be the clincher for the aftermarket's fight against the proposals. We spoke the day after the MOT consultation had closed, so it was fresh in our minds. Listen to what Alex has to say about the results of his and IMI policy manager, Hayley Pell's investigations. Now, if you look at the data, 
and I, I, me and Haley had a frank conversation about this, was that if we prove this is a good idea, then we're running with that. You know, it isn't a, we don't have a preset agenda. Yeah, no, it is, no um, it is If the government is right with this, then then they're right with this and, and we'll say they're right with this. But when you look at the data from a high level view and you're not drilling down, and when I say drilling down, I mean like splitting between fuel types and registration years, what the government have suggested makes perfect sense. That combined with what Europe do, it's all very sensible for the public. Mm -hmm. Cars are getting more reliable. The fact is first time cars for their first MOT test are passing more than they were a few years ago. And that's a clear trend. However, when you split it by fuel type, again, if you look at the overall split by fuel type, petrol still fails more than EV. So EV actually fails less than petrol. So you have to split it again. So then you split it by production year. So what year was the vehicle registered? And this is where it completely flipped on its head. So now when you look at, and we've done all this research based on sort of the last five to seven years. Um, and this is when the uh, popular EVs of today that you still see on the road started hitting the roads, like the Leaf, et cetera, some Teslas, you know, the sort of the mainstream electric vehicles yeah. came to the roads around about then. And when you actually look at that data, EVs fail more than petrols, which I personally didn't expect to see. So they are failing more, which is fine. Not a lot more, but they are failing more. But there is a huge difference between what they're failing on. Yeah, it says uh, for cars registered in 2018, electric are 11.51% likely yeah. to fail, yeah. whereas petrol only 10.89%. Yeah, so yes, there is a difference, but it's only like 1% more likely to fail, which is not going to probably change the mind of a government that's no. got a change that they want to make. So we had to go one step further and then this is where it became absolutely black and white. The government can't make this change. And this was the type of things the vehicles are failing on. <clears throat> and EVs are chewing through tires. You speak to anybody who drives an EV. I've got an EV, my partner's got an EV. She's done 8,000 miles in a Skoda Enyaq and it needs four new tires. So whilst Alex doesn't seem that worried about the government's reasoning behind delaying the first test when it comes to ICE vehicles, when it comes to EVs, it's a different matter. Uh, this is something which came up in our episode, MOT Madness. If we bring electric vehicles in which are naturally heavier and they're eating tyres for fun. But until now, no one had the hard data to prove it. So there is an actual outright failure rate difference of 3%, but that is a relative difference of 76%. So if we look at petrol in 22, they were three point, just short of 4% likely to fail on tires, whereas electric is 7% likely to fail on tires. And that again, correlates exactly with dangerous items. So even though the failure rate of EVs and petrols are very similar, EVs are twice as likely to fail on a dangerous item. Yes. And that for me, when you, when you consider that the government are pushing towards EV, Yeah that can't be ignored. So if you scale up the numbers... Oh, it's, it's a disaster. So that's all very interesting, but how can this data help you run your business? Let's jump back into our conversation one more time to hear how Alex thinks you can use data to plan your business. So obviously from, from my perspective, we run a garage. Um, I found it really interesting to be completely on the pulse with the upcoming MOTs. Yep. Now, lots of garages rely on MOTs as sort of the bread and butter of their work. Uh, we certainly do. Servicing for us is the sort of main type of work that I would say we do in our garage. And servicing is 
really highly correlated with MOT tests. It's really convenient for the customer. So for us understanding exactly when that demand is going to drop off, which we managed to do in an incredibly high level of detail down to the week, probably could have got it down to the day, yeah. but we didn't bother. We got it down to the exact week when the demand is going to drop off. And when you think about business decisions, this comes down to things like just as simple as holiday. Don't allow staff to go on holiday during the busiest period of time for MOT tests. So there is definitely logic to a garage owner looking at this data without a doubt. Also, if we look at what I spoke about earlier with tires, so if we talk about broader strategy, so if it's your responsibility within your business to decide the direction in which your business is going to go over the next five or 10 years, how can you do that without looking at where the industry is going? And based on what we spoke about earlier with failure rates of tires, if you don't currently have a tire offering in the business, you might get away with that today. But if EV becomes a force, then you're not going to get away with it because they are going to be getting through tires yeah. way more than they currently yeah. are, which means it's a real good upcoming industry. Now, I'm not saying everyone go out and We obviously can't go through all the data that Garage Industry Trends has collected on one podcast. And to be honest, even choosing bits is difficult because every garage is different and different bits will say different things to each person. For instance, the fact that the Southwest and Wales both have above average MOT failure rates will mean more to a garage in Cornwall than, say, someone in London. There is other data in there too, like, did you know green cars are more likely to fail their MOT? Of course, as Alex is keen to point out, green cars are not more likely to fail their MOT, only that more green cars did fail their MOT. There is causation, and then there is correlation, and then there is random chance. One colour had to be on top, so why not green? Anyway, be sure to check out the data on the link in our show notes. Now, let's hear from Tom, who's been catching up with another data platform, this time intended to help motor factors. Over to you, Tom. Hi, Kieran. It's great to be back in the studio. I've been listening intently to your chat with Alex and also been observing Garage Hive and in particular Garage Industry trends from afar over recent months. I found the reports and identified trends absorbing. So much so that we ran the news that MOT data has been integrated into its offering in our April edition, just the 200 million lines so far. I also noticed that this data was used to support the IMI's own data gathering when it came to respond to the government's MOT public consultation. Without a doubt, the MOT extension controversy has dominated conversations over recent months. On the subject of data and industry trends, albeit on a factor perspective, distributive access to factor sales, which has recently been acquired by Pearson Ham Group, Factor sales, a name which regular PMF readers may recall from the years, has a range of organised and coded data which is turned into genuinely useful information. Insights and analytics allow factors to improve their own pricing decisions. It also provides them with bespoke analysis on the likes of pricing localization, revenue optimization, and metrics on performance across their branch or position in a buying group. Following the takeover, I took the opportunity to sit down with Pearson Ham Group's director, Ben Martin, to discuss the takeover. First up, I asked Ben to summarise the importance of factor sales data for factors. We provide a view of the factors position in the UK aftermarket based on real sales data. It's a great benchmarking tool for all to use. Factors can see their trends in their total sales and their units, as well as tracking down at part level if they wish which in today's ever-changing market is going to be incredibly important in making the right stock choices. And we want to ensure 
that this valuable business information is provided to factors with no fuss and when they need it. Our aim is for factor sales to become important in factors' own pricing and business decisions. So our next priority is to invest in improving the free-to-use service of factors, as well as introducing premium insights and analysis, which actually we're already delivering by working in collaboration with some factors. Putting Ben on the spot, perhaps unfairly, I asked him what trends have been observed since the takeover. Well, comparing Q1 2023 with a year earlier, Q1 2022, we've observed a pretty flat sales market where overall revenue sales from factors have grown by about 1.1%. But this hides two very meaningful trends. We've seen that prices are certainly higher across all categories, on average 13.9% higher than Q1 2022. This has contributed to sales revenue growing by about 15% purely due to these higher prices. But volume of parts sold has really dropped, which has reduced the aftermarket revenues by about 12%. We've also observed that the mix of parts sold has changed, which has reduced factors revenue by another 2%. And I speculate that end customers are choosing lower brand and thus cheaper parts when faced with higher part costs. But what is really interesting is that price inflation isn't consistent across all the part categories we record, with ranges of about 25% increases in electrical and lightning, but only on average 3.4% in the transmission. And because some of these categories are price elastic, meaning that higher prices are likely to immediately lead to lower demand, we're seeing very different impacts on revenues in the categories that we're following. Even more unfairly at this early stage, I was interested to know if he was in a position to offer a considered and substantiated state of health of the aftermarket at present. Well, despite higher prices, there continues to be consumer demand for parts provided through the aftermarket, meaning a typical factor has not experienced a large reduction in revenue over the last few quarters. However, the devil is in the detail. We are seeing wide differences in the prices for certain categories, and this may or may not lead to a reduced demand for that category. Let me give you some examples. Brakes and engine parts continue to be in demand despite us seeing higher pricing, but Factors relying on revenue from body parts have likely seen a drop in overall revenue as higher prices have reduced demand. I'm interested to see if this trend continues in Q2 this year or whether the reduction in demand for what could be discretionary spending, say on body parts, can only be delayed for so long. So monitoring sales and volumes and price trends in the first half of 2023 is going to be vital in determining success in this difficult and changing marketplace. If you want to learn more from my interview with Ben, you can find it on the PMF website. In the meantime, Kieran, back to you. Thanks, Tom. And definitely worth checking out that interview on the PMF website. I think it's really interesting how data can help you understand the industry you're working in and uncover even the most subtle trends. So that's all for this month. I hope we have managed to convince you that data is not a dirty word and can provide the key to success. I want to say thank you to all our guests this month and to our sponsor Brembo. Thank you to everyone who makes this happen. Thank you for listening. See you next month. Cheerio. Cheerio.